You guys ready? Born ready. I'm Lance Stevenson ready. What up? Cautiously optimistic, my favorite podcast of all time. Welcome back to Cautiously Optimistic. It is episode 87. We are getting up there. 87, the Gronk episode. And this episode is going to be a little bit different than our previous few because for the first time in quite a while, we have a special guest who will be joining us later. That guest is Miriam Swanson of the Southern California News Group. She is covering the NBA, Clippers, Sparks. Uh, She's done a lot, but we'll talk hoops with her in a bit. Before we get to that, uh, how are you guys doing today? Man, you know, I'm, I'm feeling good. I got a nice iced tea in me. Uh, you know, a little, oh, not an iced tea, Arnold Palmer. Let's, let's get it, keep it a buck. Uh, so I'm, I'm feeling good. It's, it's a busy day, but who doesn't love a busy day? Yeah, it's been good for me as well. I just had some hearty bean and ham soup. Uh, feeling rejuvenated and refreshed out here in the cold weather, trying to stay warm. Quick question. So, quick, quick question. Um, bean and ham, is it like a green bean? What bean is it? That's very broad no, no, and it scares me. Uh, you know, I guess I don't even, you know, I'm not uh, exactly a bean expert, I would say. Uh, it's a pretty classic, kind of a white classic bean here, small. Okay. Almost something you'd find in a baked bean without the barbecue sauce in that sense. And then you just nice chunks of ham. You know, I've been mixing and mashing a lot of different soups just because I think I've never appreciated the value of it now more so than living in cold weather. And, and you know, there's a variety that uh, Campbell's has to offer so I've been trying them all. Um, I was just, favorites, I was just thrown off by that combo for a second. I was imagining like, I don't know, don't ask me why, but I imagined refried beans and that with okay. ham. I don't know if I would make that play ever, but I, I'm glad it wasn't refried at the very least. Yeah, this isn't no, nothing like refried. You know, it's a it, it's just a heartier soup. I would say you know there's tons of options out there, um, but yeah, that's what I went with today, and it's not a bad choice. Uh, it's not something I would eat like let's say after a, a late night out. Um, but speaking of that, there may be a new law coming into place. Something that we once thought was not going to be a reality because the voters in California turned it down, but now I guess there's been a reintroduction of a. Let our communities adjust late night act, mm-hmm. which uh, would keep bars up until 4 a.m. Doesn't really affect me out here in Kansas. Uh, our, you know, it's hard harder to find a bar that closes at 2 a.m. here. Most of them close at like midnight and such like that. But for you guys, that could be uh, quite a game changer. Yeah, it'd be huge. I mean, we've talked about, it and then I mean, the voters took it down first, and then Jerry Brown did, and then, uh, but now they're reintroducing it, and and they're kind of adjusting it in the sense where they're going to say, let us at least test it in a few cities. Uh, I know Los Angeles, West Hollywood, Coachella, and a few more are in there. So um, it's going to be exciting. And we talked about it in this group text. Uh, Coachella was the one that hopped out of me. Obviously, Los Angeles, WeHo, those are good because, you know, those are good places to go out. But uh, my first thought was, wow, 4 a.m. Coachella. That would be something not only for that night but for the morning after would be quite a sight to see. Yeah, it's very interesting. They are testing these, as you said, uh, Jesse, in some of these desert cities, Coachella, Cathedral City, Palm Springs even, um, where, you know... Palm Springs would be wild. Palm Springs, downtown Palm Springs, underrated for sure. Shout out Hunters one time. Yes, yes. And 
This is very nice, and we found this news, um, of course, at ABC7. Uh, Sully and I uh, have some familiarity with that, but this is quite a good move. Shout out to whatever politician, whatever city uh, government member uh, reintroduced this on the ballot to get this going again, because I think it is important. I think, you know, why California needs to get with the rest of the program here. In New York, the bars are open until 4 a.m. In most other places, the bars are open until 4. For L.A., I think it would be good. I know Jerry Brown is saying, you know, it's going to be just nothing good happens after 2 a.m. And that's the old saying. But I think a lot of good things yeah, can happen. Disagree. After, disagree <laughs> there, Jerry. Yeah. Jerry's an old soul. I think the exact phrase is nothing good happens after midnight. Um, but we could extend that to 2 a.m. You know, Jerry, he doesn't exactly seem to be the type of governor that goes out and gets lit too often. Gavin Newsom, on the other hand, who's coming in uh, very soon, he, he seems like a little bit of a party boy. So I think he's going to try and push that through, get that across, help those people out. Let those areas try it out, and uh, I mean, I can just imagine some bars in Los Angeles getting out at 4 a.m. right around 3:30. That would just be quite a sight to see. One of the maybe most brutal uh, things to to view if you were sober, just kind of want like you know, I, I had to do this all the time when I worked overnight. I'd be driving to work at like 2 a.m. and seeing people like clearing out of bars, and it's a sight to see. And you add another two hours into that. That's a that's a heavy measure there. As this, you know, this is the Gronk episode number eighty-seven. Uh, if you want to move over to the NFL right now, Gronk uh, yeah. and the Patriots. Well, ha- yes, how about this, Nick? You're talking about getting past. Didn't the Rams just get past first place in the NFC? Uh, yes, I was getting to the Rams. Mm-hmm. I was going to kind of continue my Patriots Gronk episode eighty-seven transition, but I appreciate you bringing my pain up to the forefront of the t- discussion Let's just here. Get it popping not now. only that, not only that, he did it in a very Nick Segway kind of way, where he just took one of those words and said, "Let's run with that." And yeah, yep. they did get past. Yeah, so I, I guess I'll talk about it now because um, we're talking about it. Yeah, the Rams are not playing well. That's I'll how be, this works. I'll be the first to quote. Admit. <laughs> I guess I'll talk about it since we're talking about it now. End quote. Yes. Well, I was that's, ready to talk about the, the basis Patriots. of the podcast. I was ready to stall a little bit there, but hey, you know, okay, two losses in a row for the Rams. First time that's happened all year. They are not playing well. I am not happy about it. I'm upset about it. And uh, ever since Cooper Cup went out, it seems like their offense has stalled a little bit. You know, they got some defensive pieces back. Uh, Talib is back, but even the defense hasn't looked that great I don't really like the way the Rams are playing I have a very um, unsettling suspicion that maybe they peaked too soon and uh, it's not the way you want to be playing heading into the end of the regular season and the playoffs here for sure it's interesting I mean a, a lot of people are putting this on Goff and I mean in his last two games I believe it's no touchdowns and six interceptions um, so that's not great if you're going to talk stats there I don't know if it's 100% Goff I think these defenses are starting to catch up and when you play a defense like the Bears that's always gonna hurt you know they're they're the best defense in the league sorry so I know you got love for your Vikes but um the Bears got the best defense in the league so that's a tough one to go up and play and they're gonna make every offense look dumb but um it was just weird to see it um you see the success that Sean McVay has had so it was weird to see Goff and, and the whole offense struggling and the play calling has been a little weird too it feels like that for some reason, in these big games, Sean McVay just doesn't go to Todd Gurley as much, which is you would assume in big games you go to your, your main stud, and, and that's Todd Gurley. That was that MVP candidate throughout the year where now he's starting to fall off, and I think part of that is because he's not touching the ball as much. Yeah, I mean, part of that too is Todd Gurley has been banged up. I think he's day-to-day right now. I don't know what his status is going forward. Um, I think he's expected to play, but... You never want to have someone continue to risk that injury going into the postseason. I know they're fighting for that home field advantage. And I think the interesting thing for the Rams, too, is the home field is almost more important for them because they've really proven that they can't play in cold weather. I think that struggled, struggled with that last year. 
Uh, obviously, you know, I think the Bears defense was very good, but no one on either side of the ball looks too outstanding for them in Chicago at Soldier Field. So uh, it may not be as much of an issue in the NFC um, or in the Super Bowl because it's in a dome this year, but you, you just don't want to have to risk it, you know, going to a place like where you'd have to play on the road in a, in a tough climate, I guess. that's It's been an issue for the Rams, and it has been throughout the NFL history for teams that play in warm weather. Yeah, the last thing I'll say about it, I guess, is they're kind of balancing how to approach the end of the season here because you, you did mention that Todd Gurley is banged up a little bit. You have to wonder if they're limiting his reps here as he you know prepares for the playoffs at the same time. You know, this was a team after they had uh, lost to the Saints. It was like, you know, is it the Saints or the Rams for the number one seed? And then obviously Cowboys have jumped up there, beat the Saints, and then the Rams have now lost two. So it's kind of more up in the air. Uh, the number one seed would be nice, although they did lose their home playoff game last year. So I don't know if home field advantage is super big to the Rams. Um, it would obviously be nice, but I don't know uh, if they're more so focusing on just getting healthy for the playoffs, which I think would be the smarter thing to do. Well, I, on this topic, I mean, we're talking about the best teams in the NFC, and, and I guess I'll throw this question out here for you guys too, is that the the Super Bowl run in the NFC, does where does it run through? New Orleans, L.A., or Chicago? Um, I mean, it's tough. I think the issue is it, right now it's probably going to run through New Orleans, especially the way, the way you know, they are playing, the way you're talking about maybe trying to keep it a little healthier, trying to rest. The issue is that if they lose another game and the Bears – win their next two, then they would drop out of even having that first round bye. And I, I think that makes a big difference, especially a team that's banged up, especially a team that's still trying to figure it out. Having an extra week of practice, getting prepared for a team uh, would make all the world of difference right now. So I, I would say it runs through New Orleans, not only because they're you know leading the division, even if that offense is struggling a little bit, I would have more faith in Drew Brees figuring it out than Jared Goff. And I don't think that's a knock on Jared Goff. It's just that Drew Brees is one of the greatest to ever do it. Yeah, I feel that. I, I think the interesting thing is too. I think my I, I probably would say New Orleans too, but they haven't. That offense hasn't really been clicking like it was before either. And and this isn't against you know the Bears. These are defenses that aren't necessarily the best. You know, they just had a what they scored twelve against the Panthers, and they were able to eke out a win because Cam looked terrible um, because he's hurt. And then you know they're not playing the Saints. They're playing. You know, the Cowboys, Cowboys defense is good. It's not incredible. These aren't world beater defenses like the Bears. So I would, if the Bears took a bye, if they were able to get that two seed, then I'm going to say it runs through Chicago because they get to play with home field. But um, if that's what it is, again, like you said, Drew Brees should be able to figure it out. Um, you have Kamara, you have Michael Thomas, you have Mark Ingram. These are all guys that can get it done at any moment. And, you know, we could just be talking about next Monday. Uh, after Sunday or Sunday night, how the Saints just exploded for 45 points and they look like themselves again. Anything can happen. Yeah, it, it pains me to say it. It pains me to say that I also think it's the Saints just because the Rams aren't a healthy team right now. I think the loss of Cooper Cup actually is really affecting the offense in a bad way, um, especially because they don't have much depth because they kind of, you know, they just don't, this team doesn't really have that much depth, unfortunately. And the stars on the team are good, but once you once one of those falls off or Gurley's hurt, these things get exposed um, and the Saints yeah I agree it's Drew Brees like he he has the track record and the Saints beat the Rams this year so I'll you know I'll take some humility there and say that I think it might be, have to be the Saints but again Sully your Vikings new OC 41 points in the last game are they turning things around here could they be they're, they in, make the, some noise? they're in the playoffs right now if the season were to end today yeah they They've been in the playoffs. I don't think they ever fell out of that picture. They they kind of have a like half game advantage because of that tie. As much as I dislike the tie, um, yeah. I, I mean, I think obviously you saw the difference. They put more of an emphasis on the running game. You saw Dalvin Cook do what people are expecting him to do after the 
shorty amount he did last year and earlier this season. Um, it's been interesting. You know, I think a lot of people, they're talking about, you know, the, the common third, third, like, I guess, talking point was you can't fire the quarterback. But I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think Kirk has played that bad this year. In fact, you know, he's going to go over 4,000 yards this week, more than likely. Got a pretty good touchdown-interception ratio. The turnovers are probably a little high for him, uh, but half of those are also on fumbles where the off the line wasn't really protecting him, and he had no other option. The, the interceptions haven't been too bad. He had a bad one last week, and I think he's thrown three pick-sixes this year, but besides the one last week, the pick-sixes haven't necessarily been like walk into the end zone type plays have actually been nice or run back. So that is a bit of it, but the defense looks good. Um, you know, if they can play at that level, they have a chance and, you know, they even have a chance if, if the bears jump the Rams of that being a first round matchup, um, you know, the loss in Seattle when they played really poorly hurts them just because now they have not really a chance of surpassing the Seahawks unless they lose the last two. And, uh, you know, the Vikings control their own destiny playing the lions and then the bears that last week of the season. So I think those will both be fun matchups. Um, that I expect them to win, probably because the Bears, depending on how things shake out, may have already been slotted at that point. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about Kirk Cousins and how he doesn't deserve that contract. And, you know, uh, I all these things you're saying about him, I know all too well. So he doesn't – part of the thing is th- those fumbles, you know, obviously – that's on the offensive line in the sense that it, the offensive line can prevent those defensive linemen from getting to him, obviously. But when they do get to him, Kirk Cousins does not protect the ball, um, and that's that's been one glaring issue with him throughout his career with Washington. Um, and so that's something that he does need to uh, shore up, and it's something that he really hasn't really done. So that's one issue with Kirk. Um, and I think that if the Vikings defense was playing as well as they did last year, and that's a big if because that was an incredible season that they had, um, then maybe it'd be going a little differently because, you know, Kirk Cousins is better than Case Keenum. There's no no argument there. Um, but uh, watching Kirk, it's funny to watch because it's like you, he has these numbers, and this is what I was talking about in the beginning of the year too, is they're empty numbers because they don't necessarily turn into wins. And and that was my always my biggest issue with Kirk is that, you know, He's been so when it just in a straight win loss, and I know obviously wins is not always the best thing, but in a straight win loss scenario, he's so average. It's so middle of the, middle of the of the road. So um, it's an interesting thing with Kirk, and I think they'll probably make the playoffs again. It looks like, and um, so we'll see what he does. But I think that it, it's an interesting thing to see, and it's going to be something the defense is going to have to carry them. I think. Yeah, I mean, part of that, I don't know, in my mind, opinion, the, the Redskins never had a defense as good as the Vikings no, had in the last couple of years. And I think that makes a big difference. And I don't think he never had a receiving core like the Vikings have had this year. So I wouldn't call them empty. And when you look at, at numbers, um, I guess record-wise, for like, you know, I think people made a big deal about primetime games, things like that. They're just different teams. You know, he was part of turning around a Redskins organization that was really floundering, who had to take two quarterbacks in the same draft. Um, so I think there are different scenarios in that sense, but I get what you're saying either way. Um, and speaking of the Redskins, they're still technically alive, Jesse. Do you have any hope that they maybe can get past at the Vikings that sense, or do you think just the lack of a quarterback right now it just makes it too difficult? I don't think they will. I mean, it was fun to see a win. Obviously, I, I didn't even really want them to win because it was the Skins were in a weird spot where last week going into the week they were simultaneously one game behind in the playoffs playoff race for the NFC. Uh, and also one game away from being a top 10 draft pick. Um, and so they won, and so they're not going to get a top 10 anymore. Uh, it was interesting, but I'm, end of the day, we're going to go as far as Josh Johnson takes us. 
And so when, when you look at it that way, you can't expect too much. And, and he didn't have a bad game. Uh, and it was a good defense. The Jags defense, as bad as the team has been, the Jags defense hasn't been bad, except for a few games here and there. Um, it still is a really talented defense. Just to see to see them be able to eke out that win was 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 fun. Um, and now, I mean, you get the Titans and you get the Eagles. And so you, if they win both, I mean, they need help either way. But if they win both, maybe the Cowboys lose. Uh, the Cowboys, I think, have to lose both or, or one. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but it's a very slim shot of them getting in anyway. I think it's a 10% chance or something like that. I'm not expecting it, especially because it's Josh Johnson out there. Um, but... You know, it, it was fun to see a little win, uh, but yeah, I'm not looking forward. I hope, I honestly do. I want us to lose both. Just let's get this out of the way. Let's get as high, <laughs> as good a draft pick as we can because we're not making the playoffs. And if by some miracle they sneak into the playoffs, they're gonna get smacked in the first round by any one of these teams. Yeah, looks, I you, think you seem very resigned to the state of the the skins, and that's kind of how I feel when I noticed that the Jaguars my Super Bowl pick lost to Josh Johnson and that was kind of the official nail in the coffin of that prediction that has been like a, a you know plaguing me all season basically so that was uh, I wish I had never made that prediction but it is what it is um, even even when the Redskins win though you know they have another arrest so it goes with the territory there at the Skins yeah, Monte Nicholson will not be playing this week in an already banged up secondary. Uh, one of our better players decides now. Let's just go get arrested. Uh, you know, that's apparently uh, he he. It was like a couple on couple assault. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I like uh, it. I like it. It's it's um, been quite a season in on and off the field for Washington this year. As well, it seems to let's always take be. Over, you know, We'll go on a more positive note for Nick and I, at least. Uh, Jesse can continue to flounder, flounder in our you know locks and upsets, overall picks there. But Nick, you know, talking a lot of trash. Now you're only one game up with two weeks to play. Obviously, you're very nervous. We know how you handle pressure and things like that. So, why don't you want to start us off? Then maybe your locker upset this week. Yeah, thank you for that introduction there. Um, it is uh, <laughs> that was a tough. good one. I thought it, it was. It was good. Yeah, it was tough. Uh, you know, I was talking trash, and uh, you know, right on cue. I give up two games in the standings. Luckily, I am still in first. Yeah, um, by the way, I beat you as well by uh, two games did, this did. week. So I had a bad week, and uh, Jesse actually has gained some ground as well. Um, I think there are two weeks left in the regular season. or just Yeah, there are two, two weeks, weeks left, and I only have to make up five games so, per week. That's you know, light. Anything can happen. Anything is possible, as Kevin Garnett once said. But for my picks here, uh, to maintain my lead... I'm going to stay true to my team. They're, they've lost uh, two in a row, but I don't think... I mean, let me put it this way. If the Rams lose a third game in a row to the Cardinals, I can just you know stop caring about the Rams or whatever it may be. Um, I know it's, it's a touchy subject about my uh, fandom with the Rams, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, I will have them... So you're going to stop caring about them if they lose? It was a hyperbole. They're my lock uh, to win this week against the Cardinals because I think that... He's going to stop caring. That has to be a lock. <laughs> Um, my upset, I'm actually going to go with the 49ers uh, in San Francisco, or should I say Santa Clara, um, over the Bears, who had just clinched. They had an emotional win. They're going to be NFC North champs. And so I think that there'll be a little bit of a, a letdown here going on the road to a 49ers team that always gets a little frisky at home. And I think uh, they'll be able to beat the Bears, that the Bears won't, to, won't care too much about that loss, though. Wow. Yeah, you know, when the chance to gain home field advantage, obviously the Bears are just going to roll over. That makes sense. Um, I, I don't really get the logic in that, but uh, it's all right. You know, they're your picks if you want to try and hand Jesse another championship. I feel like Jesse has a good chance of coming back in this still. So um, if you're looking for my locks and upsets lock, again, I'll go with the Vikings. You know, I'll just keep it consistent. 
Um, despite the upset and lock don't really mean anything in the standings, you know, I guess they're still fun to pick. We've talked about this. Um, the upset for me, that is tough. It, it's at this point in the season, I think there's so many different things going on. It's kind of hard to predict exactly what will happen for a variety of things. Um, I'm going to go with the Jaguars over the Dolphins. I think that's a, <laughs> it's going to be a crappy game. Anything could happen. Both teams, you know, the Dolphins, Vikings beat them last week and they had one fantastic quarter and three awful quarters. I don't really know what's going on with them. The Jaguars, uh, they're pretty trash too, but I think they're capable of a win. So why not go for it? This is, there's some solid picks there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you my upset here. Uh, and I'm going to kind of follow in your footsteps, Sully, in the sense of last week your upset was upset, uh, or was I'm, sorry. Oh. Yeah, I'm upset. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I'm going to be upset when Washington beats the Titans this week. Uh, the Titans are favored <laughs> by 10, and I, I just talked about how I want them to lose. But, you know, the Josh Johnson train keeps rolling here, and Washington takes down the Titans, and I will be upset. Um, but it'll then also give me hope, and I know how that goes, and it's going to be sad because they're, they're going to let me down, and all that's going to happen. But, uh, again, I'll be upset there. And then my lock, well, first of all, I want to throw in a couple of fun uh, fun upsets as well just to give you some more. Um, the Bucks are going to beat the Cowboys, by the way. Um, <laughs> let's just th- tell you that. I uh, Let's see. We got the Bills. That's going to make an interesting game with the Patriots there. Let's just talk about it. Um, I see what you're doing here. you got to take some risks here if you're going to make this comeback in the picks pool, Jesse. So I wouldn't mind if you – I'm excited uh, to see Jesse's picks. Yeah. Yeah, and that's all I'll give you for now until I'm going to give you my lock, obviously, here. And my lock is going to be that the Chiefs handle the Seahawks. Mm. I think the Seahawks are pretty overrated. And it's going to be interesting. Mm. The Seahawks get the Chiefs, and then I don't know who their last week is. um, But, you know, they could blow this out of there. You know, it's it's quite possible – you know, a lot of people trust Russell Wilson because he's been in those big games. He's done it before. But you know what? I don't think the Seahawks are really for real. So uh, give me the Chiefs this week and then probably give me whoever's playing the Seahawks next week unless it's like the Cardinals. Interesting. Yeah, I actually picked the Seahawks in that game. and You picked wrong. I, I, uh, Sully, do you, <laughs> Sully, do you believe in the Chiefs against that? Against, your Chiefs yeah, essentially I against that. the Seahawks? Yeah, I looked at your list and I, I smiled pretty hardly because uh, that was an awful pick on your back. But I don't understand what the Seahawks have shown that, it like, that would allow them to – to beat the Chiefs, the Chiefs are a dominant offense. The Seahawks defense is pretty garbage this year. Um, you just get Eric Berry back for that Chiefs defense. He'll be playing more next weekend when he was on the field against the Chargers in that first half. The defense is a lot better. Um, you know, the only team that the Chiefs have lost to this year have been the Patriots, uh, the Rams when they were at their hottest, and the Chargers, who are the second best record in the NFL. So I don't understand why you thought the Seahawks would, would come away with a win. Maybe besides the fact that they're at home but that's really the only talking point i have so i'm excited to see it mm, ravens chargers on saturday night is going to be a fun one to 520 pacific here that's going to be a big game see if lamar jackson can uh keep leading that team and, and try and get into the playoffs there as well just a little shout out to that game i like those yeah it should be interesting the final two weeks of the picks pool it is in uh sully's in hot pursuit of me and uh, a lot of colleges are in a lot of hot pursuits of high school players and they've made their selections today and uh yesterday when this was released early signing day and we're looking um to keep it local here jesse i know you have been impressed with some of the signees or maybe not uh, what do you think of how the trojans have handled it so far well they've gotten some guys that so to enroll early that we knew were there max williams is a good pickup cornerback um so that's going to be good a lot of homegrown guys they flipped a couple of guys they flipped a georgia tech guy today 
and um, uh, they flipped a Washington State commit as well, uh, which was which was cool to see. I mean, the Washington State got three star, nothing really too impressive, but um, standouts. I think that they did a good job. They got two tight ends, two four star tight ends, um, and with Cliff's offense, those tight ends are going to have to be guys that are going to come in and make an impact. So getting two of those guys was nice today. Uh, and then the Drake uh, Drake London four star wideout. Also basketball player. He's going to play both at SC, so that's going to be fun, uh, something to keep your eye on. I know uh, the fans aren't necessarily excited uh, with how recruiting's gone so far this year. They went in yesterday 34th overall, according to 24-7, um, and they leave today uh, at 21st. So 13, yeah. a 13-point rank jump is pretty good, um, and we still have National Signing Day. Uh, you got to assume when Brew McCoy comes – that's going to give them a nice jump. Um, so that's that's all to be played out. I don't expect a top five uh, class this year, but if they could jump another 13, sneak in the top 10 at eight, um, especially with all the drama that's happened with the coaching staff and flux that's happened with recruiters, uh, T. Martin, Kenichi Udeze, um, not being there anymore hurts them. Um, but if they're able to make another pre-10 to 13 ranked jump on signing day by signing day and sneak into the top 10, I'd consider that a successful uh, season, uh, recruiting season at least. Yeah, it's interesting, I think. You know, USC, I was looking through some of the videos that I released. Both those tight ends look pretty good, like big athletic kids. I yeah. think those would be um, a strong fit for that new offense. And on top of that, you know, they're bringing in those classic uh, just big kids that USC always gets on the offensive defensive line, having the kind of Pacific Island connection. You know, I have a few dudes from that area, uh, either Hawaii or kids that have moved from Hawaii to SoCal, NorCal, and are now going to SC. They really have a strong pipeline there. Yeah. Um, it's just tough. You know, I think, you know, you look at that top five right now of schools, at least for recruiting, Alabama, Georgia, obviously at the top, as they always are. Oregon at number five, I think it's a little bit surprising. Um, but as far as that goes in the Pac-12, Washington at, at 15, Stanford at 18, uh, it's definitely becoming more competitive on the West Coast where I think in the past it was really just kind of like, all right, if you're a good football player in anywhere in Southern California and Northern California, maybe beyond Arizona and Nevada, you're probably going to go to USC. Uh, but now that landscape has changed. So I think that's an interesting dynamic. But in the end, you know, if the Trojans, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, not only is it great for the offense, but I think his youth helps. That's something that Clay Hilton, I think people like Clay Hilton a lot, but People don't necessarily relate to Clay Helm as much as mm-hmm. student-athletes. He's a good leader, but I think that's something that Cliff Kingsbury, you know, Mr. Suave, uh, will be able to come in and, and help with. That's something that Clay Helton highlighted today in the presser when they were talking to him. He said, you know, Cliff is, is so good with these kids because uh, he is younger, um, and he, I think the word he said was electric. He's electric with these kids. And, um, you know, when Ryan Gosling comes into your home and just wants to talk to you, it's going to make sense. You're going to want to go and do whatever he says. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see it going forward again. I mean, they got one of the number one – they got the number one – one of the best uh, defensive ends in junior college today. Um, so we still got a little bit left. Um Another defensive end uh, on the a local guy did not choose USC. He went up to Oregon. Uh, oh, Kayvon. Kayvon. Yeah, yeah, that was a tough one. I mean, he's he's a stud. Um, so to see him go, and and that's another thing you were talking about too, Sully. Is USC's goal is to win California, not just win Southern California. That's the the, the real goal. But then you want to win California as well. Um, and if they don't, 
it's one of those things where it's like you, you, you honestly have to if you're a USC coach. You have to win California. Um, you have to beat UCLA. You have to beat Notre Dame. Those are the things you have to do as a USC coach. So winning California, you're looking through it. All these guys are California kids. Um, not all, but most. So um, seeing them do that, it's nice to see a little bit of Florida connection still. Uh, one guy at an IMG. So there, there's still things happening. And to be fourth in the Pac-12, also unacceptable in recruiting. You can't be fourth in the Pac-12. That's just that's something that will have to change. And, Jesse, you mentioned the player who will be doing football and basketball at Drake, I believe. Was Drake London. Name? Drake London. Now, do you think Drake London will, will be able to help the Trojans on the hardwood, you know, pick up a win against Santa Clara next year? Because this year the Broncos were able to uh, take mm-hmm. down the Trojans in yeah. double overtime. How do you feel about that loss? Uh, if, you wanna, if we want to add up the scores of uh, last year's game and this year's game, I think it'll still be a – a nice blowout for USC. So um, this is not the year that I mean, honestly, that was a tournament breaking loss. Um, you know, they haven't having the best season so far, but to have a loss to Santa Clara on your resume as we go in, I think the only way that SC gets into the tournament is if they win the Pac-12 tournament at this point. Um, and they need to get a lot healthier for that. So yeah, we'll, we'll, at do this that. Point, we'll do that to you. We'll bring teams down. <laughs> we also we also have a top five. Uh, I, last I checked, we were actually number one. Uh, basketball recruiting class for 2019. Um, so it's pro- if not number one right now, it'll be top five still. Um, so it's looking a lot towards next year for basketball. How does that even happen? Like who would recruit you? Who would sign on to USC at this point right now? Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of young dudes that are great, and people have been they've been doing this. They've been preparing for this class specifically for a long time. I mean, you have your guys every year, like you know, we had O'Bannon, who will probably still be there next year. Uh, Kevin Porter this year, who I assume will leave because that dude's a stud, um, unless he doesn't get completely healthy and he needs another year. But there's a lot of young talent, Elijah Weaver. So these guys are looking at the team and saying, all right, well, this is a team that can go ahead and win it next year. Um, so why not sign on to that? And they see the other guys in the class uh, committing. And so it's just one of those things where uh, Andy Enfield's got the ball rolling, rolling uh, when it comes to recruiting. Now they just got to go and show it on the hardwood. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me when when Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, UCLA are always going to have better classes. I, I guess it's surprising more so than anything. To and it, 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 uh, this is right now, too, and so there's a, a good amount of time until uh, that recruiting class is finalized. Yeah. It, um, but I, I expect that SC class to finish top ten. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, two five-star recruits. Arizona's at number one right now. I just switched. I'm just looking at the oh, okay. page right now. But either way, like you said, it's still even a top 15 class for where that program is right now. It would be impressive and capable of changing everything around. A hundred percent. That's that's what Enfield came in to do was to come in, change the culture, change the program, make it so that SC is a place that people want to come play basketball at again. Well, the stove has been hot over the past couple of weeks, the offseason for the MLB. Um Maybe none of the major signings people have expected to see, but that's also kind of now been a trend for the last couple of years. But one thing in uh, Dodgers Nation that people continue to have discussed for the last couple of years is the need for bullpen arms. And the Dodgers did address that this week, signing uh, MLB champion, as much as that hurts to say, Joe Kelly, to a three-year deal. Um, what do you guys think about this? I think you know it's a really solid bullpen arm. Obviously, he proved in that postseason how capable he is in big situations. And I just think it's a great signing for that bullpen. I think I said it earlier um, around the the Joe Kelly fight 
in Boston when he had that one that one big one, and then he went and was sitting in the stands when he was on his suspension. I think I said this to uh, on here, I think, but um, I I have forgiven him for I think I I I think his attitude is great. I think he brings an edge uh, not only to a team, but when he's on the mound, just to himself and to the situation um, that we don't really have. Um, I mean, when you have like a Kenley, you expect him to go and dominate, but like. When Joe Kelly's on the mound, there's just this other feel to it that I really love. Um, and I have forgot about everything that happened. Maybe not forgiven, but I have forgot about everything that happened. Selectively decided to forget uh, the, the tragedy that he brought us when he hit Hanley and did all that stuff. But um, I love it. I, I've always liked Joe Kelly, except for that little period of time. Um, it, it's tough that he played on some teams that I didn't like um, and couldn't root for, but I'm excited to have him on the Dodgers. Yeah, I feel the same way. You know, the name Joe Kelly definitely triggers Dodgers fans um, recent times and, and, you know, five years ago, as you mentioned with Hanley. But um, aside from all that, you know, he dominated the Dodgers in the post postseason in a position of the bullpen that the Dodgers had struggles with throughout the playoffs. And so I think he definitely fills a need as long as they use him correctly, which I think the Dodgers will. Um, he can be that power arm, maybe an eighth inning guy, uh, I'm not mad about it. Uh, I, I guess you know if you can't beat them, then uh, take them from the Red Sox, as the Dodgers also did with uh, Tim Neverett, their new play-by-play guy. Just wanted to give a shout out there. Um, but I like the signing, uh, Sully. You're the bullpen guy here. What do you think about it? Well, first clarify. I think you're Neverett. He's a part-time play-by-play radio and uh, TV guy. He'll take over for Joe Davis when he has national yeah. uh, situations. From from Boston though, so it's Kelly and Neverett were taking Boston guys and uh, trying to make them. Yeah, up. I don't think the broadcasting has anything to do with the on-field stuff, but I get what you're saying in the comparison there. I think it's good. You know, I think uh, I can see I already for, predict in the future that Joe will have maybe some struggles during the regular season. You know, like the last uh, month and a half of the year, 2018 is the year it was like 5.5. Um, but that's not really why they're signing him. You know, I think more so the thing is they're signing him because he can go up to that next level in the postseason. And that's something the Dodgers have struggled with going back to that World Series against the Astros, not be able to, you know, finish and lock everything down. His versatility is not only a starter as a reliever, obviously he's going to be used more as a reliever, but he can throw extended innings if he needs to. It's just a, a solid signing. I think it's a good arm. Uh, good pairing with other people, you know, bringing Singrani back. I think he'll be healthier this year if, if Baez can continue to have – that second half of the season that he had that was so surprising for everyone. And obviously, Kenley having that offseason heart surgery, hopefully getting everything straight, figured out, and, and good to go for all of 2019 for them. I think if they can sign one or two more guys, uh, especially guys that are a little more proven than they normally go to with the kind of, you know, uh, small ball, money ball techniques where they find guys who are uh, maybe not have had as much success elsewhere, um, it'd be nice to see them lock down one or two other guys. You know, there's still names out on the market. Um, so we'll see. I, it, it's solid, and, and I think it's good to have that kind of experience on the team. Um, and on top of that, you know, Joe Kelly, a Southern California kid, uh, born out by the beach, I think in Anaheim, to be exact, from the Corona High School, uh, a product of UC Riverside. So uh, he's a SoCal guy through and through. That was part of the decision of why he came here was because he lives in SoCal in the offseason, so might as well just make it the home for good. Yeah, so you also hit on something that I forgot to mention, but I think is important how – this is a three-year, $25 million deal, and it, like you said, it does go against kind of the way the Dodgers have assembled their bullpens in the past two years, which I actually like. I want them to kind of take a different approach to get a guy who has proven successful in the postseason, which Joe Kelly just did against the Dodgers, as opposed to, you know, 
getting guys who could become uh, Brandon Morrow or something like that and kind of rolling the dice. And obviously that has kind of backfired on the Dodgers in the recent years. So um, hopefully Joe Kelly is still that same guy from 2018 postseason. I think he can be. But I think, as you mentioned, it is important that the Dodgers are taking a slightly different approach. I'm not sure if that has to do with Farhan Zaidi not being here anymore, but um, it's something that I'm happy to see. Yeah, and Farhan's not really a name we want to talk about anymore, but uh, I, I agree with that. I, I just think that it's nice to see them kind of go out and make a move like that um, and be able to say that, you know, this is a guy we, we think is going to perform for us in the postseason. That's why I got it, rather than this is a guy I think that needs to change one or two things and he can be good. You know, someone's proven success beforehand. I, I think that I'd like to see that a lot from the Dodgers. Another name out there uh, on the pitching side is Corey Kluber, um, who has been rumored in, you know, possible Puig for Kluber trade. How do you guys feel about that? Do you think that would be a good move for the team? Yeah, him or Bauer. I think that's the, the biggest talk for the Indians, at least. I'd be sad to see um, Puig go, though. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind. I think pitching is more important. It's been more important. Although Puig did obviously have his most successful postseason last year, and, and we do love Puig uh, as a person. You know, it's hard not to love him. Um, I think it's just uh, sometimes you just got to make that move. You know, it just kind of works out uh, in the sense that Puig is a very talented player, but front of the end starting pitching is uh, as hard to get as anything else in, in Major League Baseball. And now it's time for What the Puck? What the Puck? You know what it is. The defending Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals are back at it again. They're getting it done out there on the ice, but not only the whole team, but Ovi specifically. That's right, Alexander Ovechkin balling out there some doing things that we have not seen before he had a 14 game point streak um and this is after a championship season this is after he was drunk for 13 days in a row consecutively at the same time probably still is right now i'm sure he has the cup home sitting then he just drinks straight vodka out of it every night because he can because he's a stanley cup champion because he is the greatest in the league right now yes i'm looking at you sid the kid i don't care we're getting it done you know what it is capitals we're about to repeat let's go yeah this is why this is not the Sidney crosby episode i'm assuming uh jesse maybe i think it's a good move for ovi to try and equal his amount of days drunk after the world cup with the amount of uh, points he's going to score in consecutive games which he's trying to get to 14 right now he said it was 13 so i like the move um yeah i mean it's hard to argue with that uh that kind of production you know it's uh it's been a wild year this past year in, in the nhl First from, you know, the, the Capitals finally winning the Stanley Cup. Then you move over to the uh, introduction of Gritty, who took the world by storm mm-hmm. and has been uh, the darling of social media since then. And, and then you just get down to the hockey. And, and when we're hockey guys, it's uh, hard to find anything better than that. We are very happy to be joined by our very first special guest in a very long time. We know it has been a while, but we uh, want to bring some guest flavor back to the podcast. And so we are honored, truly honored to be joined by none other than Miriam Swanson, who now writes for the Southern California News Group, covering the NBA, Clippers, Sparks, whatever it may be. Uh, Miriam actually used to work with me when we were at the Outlook newspapers back in the day. And so that's how uh, I know Miriam. 
she has seen Jesse in such films as <laughs> Laker Problems. And I think films, films, films is probably the yes. greatest word to use for that. Sports yeah. cinema, right? Yeah. Yeah. But we are happy to have you here today. How are you doing, Miriam? I'm good, I'm good. I'm going to treat this as a Thursday morning. Back in the day, we, we worked at a weekly. Every Thursday morning, Nick and I would come in and we would just talk about everything but work for like four hours. <laughs> yes. And it was nice. my favorite part of the week. So this is, a, this is not a Thursday, but we can pretend. Um, it might actually be like Thursday. Oh, it would be Thursday. Yeah, well, that's yes, what I'm it. saying. Yes, it's, it's definitely it Thursday. It is Thursday morning. It's Thursday. For sure. Good morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So thank you for taking the time, Miriam. And as we said, you know, those Thursday mornings were very fun back in the day. You know, at the Outlook newspapers, but Outlook newspapers were kind of a place where not a whole lot of sports coverage went down. Especially for you, you were more at city council, uh, middle schools, and <laughs> it's you made quite the leap. You've you know you've graduated in a very big way because now you're you know sideline at Laker games, Clipper <clears throat> games, interviewing Doc Rivers. Um, my personal favorite game to be around Boban. And Bobby. what is I mean, what what prompted the move and the opportunity? How did that come about from going from Outlook to this current position for you? <laughs> well, before I was at the Outlook, I was in my, my previous now current life again. I was a sports writer, right? So, um, yeah, I graduated from Oregon and became a sports writer and kind of worked my way up. I went from the Glendale News Press to the San Bernardino Sun, where I was the sports editor, to the Riverside Press Enterprise, where I covered golf and action sports, and then everything and anything else. Um, and then um, there's a little boy walking around here and um, <laughs> I was gonna have my second kid and I was tired of commuting between Glendale uh, and the Inland Empire and an opportunity at the Outlook arose and I thought it would A, be close to home and good for the family um, and B, be a chance to learn how to cover city council and crime and schools and all the stuff I didn't really know how to cover. Um, and so I did that for Maybe a little longer than I thought I would, um, but uh, yeah, no. And I, it was I learned a lot and met so many interesting people, um, including Nick Ofisho, and um, <laughs> and then uh, time was right and an opportunity arose. And I, when I graduated from college, um, my dream was to cover the WNBA and maybe the Lakers. Um, so yeah, 18 years later, what's up? And at Oregon, did you cover sports there at Oregon yeah, as well? I did. Yeah, I covered football. Um, I mean, I covered, you know, initially you covered what's my frisbee and yeah. tennis. Um, and then I covered football um, back when Joey Harrington was yeah. there. And because uh, I'm so, you know, I'm old, y'all. But um, <laughs> I'm too old for Drake. I heard your Yovan interview. What's up, Yovan? Yeah. But um, <laughs> that's a whole other story. We can talk about Tupac later. But um, Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then I, uh, I covered... And I, I realized since I took this job that my only other like actual basketball beat was uh, covering the Oregon women's basketball team, um, and they were super interesting with some crazy characters, and they won the Pac-10, what was yeah. then the Pac-10, mm-hmm. um, and I really fell in love with covering basketball, and then I never did it again <laughs> until <laughs> now, so, <laughs> so I'm kind of relearning how to do it. Yeah, the Oregon women's basketball team is it's, yeah, really good right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's about time that they're good again. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you know, they're gonna maybe win a national title. Who knows? Yeah, it feels like it feels like at least in the women's basketball scene in college, things have kind of opened up. I mean, it's been UConn mm-hmm. running everything mm-hmm. obviously for mm-hmm. however long, but mm-hmm. now that they've finally lost one, um, and it feels like you know you have your other mm-hmm. teams, Mississippi State, mm-hmm. Notre Dame, mm-hmm. all those teams are starting mm-hmm. to play really well. Um, so it's it's a fun time. Yeah, yeah. So so I'm into that, but um, yeah, and now I'm yeah learning. It's it's a uh, 
so that was the dream back in the day, and it's like a different version of myself pre-kids and, you know, all of life's experiences. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty fun to, like, go watch a basketball game for work. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, just going in on this, just going back to the Outlook very quickly, you know, I heard you use the name Nick Opeshow. <laughs> Nick told us that, that yeah, your nickname at the Outlook was Jammer. Is that something <laughs> you still use a lot today? No. Um, no. That was a hard no. <laughs> but I, but I, it, that comes from back in the day when I was a softball player. Uh, that was my softball nickname. But um, And then somehow, it, I don't know, Charlie Peters, Amy, you, somebody, people brought it back at the Outlook. And um, I'm cool with it. People can call me Jammer. I don't care. Just I, I Most like people don't. That's why I brought it up. So What's that? I thought it was cool. Yeah. I like the nickname a lot. That's why I had to bring it back up. Nick told us that before the podcast. Right on. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you can call me Jammer. Uh, it's cool. <laughs> That's Sully. good to know. Maybe I'll, yeah. we'll mix it in a few times. Right. You know? um, so just, you know, I think one part that we all are interested in, Nick told us that you're also a Lakers fan. And I think something that I always struggle with is, is balancing, like, work with the teams that you've kind of grown up around and really like. So what's it been like, I guess, covering mm-hmm. the other team in L.A. while, you know, knowing deep down inside you, you do kind of rep for Lakers Nation? What? That's lies. All lies. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, it's an honest <laughs> podcast here. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely have paid more closer attention to the Clippers in the last few months than I ever have in my life before, um, I'll admit. But, um, which is A, to, and, I, and I must say that I'm, I feel super grateful to have the Clippers as my first NBA beat just because all those guys are just super cool. They're interesting. They're good. They're down to earth. They have interesting things to say. I'm I'm all about it. Um, uh, but uh, I mean, yeah. I guess in the office, I used to talk a little <laughs> Lakers. But um, but I was also so removed from covering it. So like, I I remember I was a Dodger fan until like I had to until I interviewed Andre Ethier, and I was kind of like, no, you know. That's cool. Oh, can we talk about that for a second? Hold on. We need to discuss this. Can you elaborate on why uh, that turned you from a Dodger fan? Well, it just, turner? it didn't really make me... Sully has a particular I, feeling about Andre. 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 Oh, yeah. I well, am not a fan. I had a coach growing up who had some very, uh, let's say, less than ideal interaction when they were mm. both playing college with each other. Uh-huh. And so I never was a fan of Andre Ethier. But I feel like no one saw why, because everyone kind of, you know, fell in love with this pretty boy charm. But you having an actual interaction with him, you may be able to give me some some backup here as to it, why well, people did like Andre as much. I, I dealt with him. Okay, first of all, I was like the backup Dodgers reporter, so I don't dealt with him. You know, he didn't really know me, and I, I barely knew him. But, you know, it just makes you realize, you know, me, being media... So, like, he, he is – how do you put this? A lot of baseball players aren't really into giving interviews after games. That's not abnormal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and in my, a couple of my inter- initial interactions with him, he wasn't super into giving an interview at the time, which, you know, you kind of understand. But, um, but it just – it was sort of a wake-up call in that, like, yeah, okay, so I'm here as a reporter doing this job, and he's there as a – athlete doing his job and these are interactions are part of our job and it made it feel not like um it wasn't like every time I was watching a Dodger game and he came up to bat I, w- I was like you Sully you know hoping him ill will but um but but it was but it just kind of changed it where oh my god he's not some guy on a pedestal you know like yeah you know you know 
watching Lonzo Ball last year feels different than watching Lonzo Ball this year. Like, now I'm looking at it like, okay, I have to write about this. I have to think about what he's doing. I'm not just like, you know, I hope my husband is in a good mood because the Lakers win. Um, (laughs) You know what I I mean? It just changes your perception. Like, you know, back in the day, there was like a week in my life where I, I used to cover golf. And so, like, I was in a scrum talking to Tiger. And then for some reason... I was also, like, assigned to go do something with the Lakers. So, like, I was there, and Kobe was had a scrum around him and was speaking very softly. And I was like, dude, just speak up. Like, so, come on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst. Honestly, the worst. But, but, and then, like, two days after that, I went and watched this local singer sing that no one's ever heard of, but she's, like, one of my favorite singers in the world. What's up, Ray Yarbrough? And I remember, like, afterwards, I wanted to go up to her and say, you know, good job. And I might, and, like, those two previous things, I, I was just, like, on the job, not really thinking about, like, oh, my God, these are famous people. But I was, like, waiting to talk to her. My palms are, like, sweating. And I'm, like, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm, like, nervous. It's, you know, so it just, it just changes your perspective on, on sports, totally. and if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, we talk about how the Clippers... Um, being your first beating is mm-hmm. really cool, and you're talking about how how well they're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's been a little bit of a downtick now mm-hmm. uh, with four straight losses and a lot of them blowouts. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a different sense around the team, or is it still kind of uplifted? Still, they still think they're playing well. Do you think this is more of a trend of what we're going to see throughout the year, or would you think that they'll turn back to their old ways? Well, A, I have no idea, but (laughs) like, we'll see what, you know, that's the beauty of it, right? To go for the ride and see what happens. But I, part of me is kind of paying attention to these people as human beings now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they had like 17 games in a row where they didn't play in the same stadium twice, right? And I'm not traveling, but like my colleague, Kyle Goon, who, total aside, if you're a Laker fan, you should totally read Kyle. He's like an amazing writer and doing such a good kick-ass job on the beat. Um... But, like, Kyle, knowing Kyle, knowing Jovan, knowing Andrew Greif for the LA Times, like, on those guys, travel is hard. Like, you can mm-hmm. just see it, like, in their <laughs> in their eyes. Yeah. Like, it's kicking their butt, right? And so, um, if you're a basketball player, you have to travel and you have to play, and, like, there's the, all the energy you exert there. Um, it's, like, it A, it takes away from practice time, so you don't really have the time to sort of, like, sort out who's you know, the little problems that are coming up, like... You can't go, okay, let's address this and work on this mm-hmm. for an hour, right? Or whatever. Um, you just have to kind of point it out and go cool. do it. Yeah. Um, and also, it, you know, like I was talking to Ty Wallace the other day and he was talking about how flying, you know, it just like affects your body, yeah. you know, and all the extra treatment they have to get because of that. So, I mean, I'm not, but then in, in, you look at the Utah Jazz, right? Like they've started out way slower than people thought, mm-hmm. but they also were on the road way more than anybody else, right? They had, like, 19 the, the, like road games so far. Mm-hmm. And the Clippers are, like, right behind them with, like, 17, I think. And um, I don't know. Like, you, you kind of used to scoff, like, oh, yeah, okay, back-to-backs or road games or whatever. Yeah. But I think, especially with the team like the Clippers, kind of, it, maybe with anything, probably, um, or even the Lakers right now, one, one and three on their road trip, yeah. right? Like, it's harder to play on the road. So maybe that mm-hmm. is part of it. Um, or maybe other teams have, or, you know, maybe the rest of the league is like, oh, look at the Clippers. Maybe we should, you know, pay more attention to Tobias, you know, even though you're 39 the other night, yeah, but they're like, playing right. differently now. Right. So he's got to kind of learn how to adjust to that. Um, Trez had also Trez has not been playing real well. Um, Montrez Harrell is such a, like doc today called him a barometer, mm-hmm. but he really is like, as, as Trez goes, the Clippers go. Um, and so he's kind of been in a little bit of a funk. He seems to have broken out of it maybe, um, 
so I, you know, there's lots of factors. Have um, you seen? Have you seen? I mean, I, you you someone mm-hmm. Laker fan, past Laker fan. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, So you know what the dynamic is, as well as everyone knows mm-hmm. in LA with the two teams. Mm-hmm. No matter how good or bad each team is, have you seen a little bit of? a higher respect for the Clippers now in the, maybe even the last like 10, 15 games at least now that people have seen like there's a team without a superstar but they're playing so well. Have you ever, Has it been noticeable even in this early season do you think? Well, I know um, our, our buddy Oscar came over and he was very excited about it recently. And Jesse, he's, Jesse has met Oscar. You know Oscar, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I was at a holiday party and this guy I don't know walked in and he was just telling everybody this. they were in first place at the time and he was telling everybody there, including like the toddlers, like the Clippers were in first. Yeah. Um, so I think Clipper fans are we're, we're super super excited about it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I have to ask you guys. Like I've been wondering this. Like, does the rest of LA realize that the Clippers? Well, I guess right now they're you know sliding a little bit. But how does the rest I, of LA? How do Laker fans feel about? Well, I feel like because this of isn't LA. the Lob City Clippers. This isn't like no. Blake and CP3, who like you could kind of. I think L.A. is just starting to catch on in the fact that, like, I think if you kind of were to look around, and maybe this is just my opinion, if you look around at basketball fans or even just uh, people, they'll see that, oh, uh, the Clippers are good without even noticing that they're on a four-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. I think they'll, they're more looking at what's been happening, and yeah, maybe yeah. that's just my thought process. But I think overall, I think it's a lot more respect because there's no Chris Paul and there's no Blake Griffin. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe that's just me as well. I didn't. Res- I don't want to say I didn't respect them. But like Clippers fans generally didn't like game. them. Yeah, 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 I hated their game. Yeah, I hated yeah. the Clippers. With and them, you can't so. really feel like that about Tobias and Bobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah everybody right? loves Bobby. Yeah, right? yeah everybody yeah. loves him. I don't know how you feel about Sully, but for me, it was like. I did feel there was some bitterness to the Lob City Clippers because of the whole Chris Paul situation and how he was seemingly you know, stolen away mm. from the Lakers. Mm. And then they obviously become good as the Lakers become bad. And there was just obviously the whole L.A. dynamic. And there was some resentment there for sure. But for me, this team, you know, after they've kind of like cleaned house, got rid of Blake, got rid of Chris Paul, they're sort of a team with a bunch of dudes who are just trying to just have something to prove kind of. Mm-hmm. And there really isn't anybody that dislike on the team um no stars which which makes it easier but just no real expectations for the team so to see them doing well um it was surprising but i I wouldn't say i was like as a laker fan upset that they were doing well Mm -hmm. because for me just looking at this team it's like there was never any it seemed like the lob city era ended as the lebron era started so there was no real overlap there i don't Mm -hmm. know what do you think sully yeah, uh, in my mind, you know, it's it. I guess the easiest way to describe it is through an often used meme that one where Squidward kind of takes his sunglasses off and looks, and then just goes right back to what he's doing. So that's kind of how I feel as a Lakers fan. It's like that's nice, you know, they're doing well, but let's talk in two months. I think there's still so much to prove with this team. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that Lob City team, I think that one with the star power they had when you added DeAndre when he was playing well, I think that was a team that was scarier to me. Um, but I do agree with you in the sense that most of the players on Clippers are very easy to like. I think on an encore perspective, Patrick Beverly is probably the one that people can probably <laughs> look at and maybe not like as much just because of some of his past stuff and, and the way he plays the game. But I know I think uh, when you cover a team like that, you probably know players like that a lot better, the way you interact with them. You always seem well-spoken and can explain what's going on. But as far as my opinion of the Clippers, it hasn't changed so much from a Lakers fan perspective. I think they still have a long way to go in that sense. But this team, I think, plays much more like a team, hmm. and that has a brighter future than any other Clippers team has had. You know, they had star power before, but they could never put it all together. Maybe it was injuries in the past as well, some unfortunate timing in the playoffs. But I like this team a lot better, especially because the players like Tobias Harris, who kind of just grinded out and have made you know themselves into something from nothing in the league's perspective. 
Yeah, and as much as we like to kind of, you know, crap on the Clippers as just Laker fans on this podcast in a joking way. Um, no, and we do like to do that a lot. <laughs> yeah, not not really as much joking. Well, we, I was going to say, because we, we, we have had, you know, Clipper connections. Um, we did interview Sam Decker, who unfortunately is no longer on the Clippers, yeah. and unfortunately other things that he has said kind mm. of made, it and, uh, made him a guy who will relinquish the nickname that we gave to him, which was uh, an acronym, T-O-C-T... WL, which is the only Clipper that we like. Uh-huh. Um, so now, <laughs> I, think, I think I think it's fair to give Bob on that. Yeah, because we were going to ask you. Um, you've, you've been around the, the team so much now. Do you have a favorite Clipper, or because there's a lot of characters to like on this team? Uh, Sally mentioned Tobias, and you know the Shea Gillis Alexander. What, what do you oh, think? Shea's good. Like to to watch or to deal with or to all all of the above. Yeah. I mean, there. I don't know. Um, I mean, that's hard to answer. I'm not answering that, but I'll say, um, <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, there's so many cool characters. Like, Trez is awesome. Like, remember one of the first, like, real conversations I had with him, like, he was talking about, like, he, you know, the women's basketball fan of me. He's talking about having, because he was wearing, like, I don't know, Kyrie women power shoes, whatever those are called. I don't know, shoe guys. Um, That'd be Jesse. I don't know which Yeah. Anyway, so then he was like, he wore it for a purpose, like to blah, 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 like, you know, women's basketball, support women's basketball. And he's like, oh, just apropos of nothing. He's like, I got to meet Sylvia Foles this summer. And like, it was so cool. I was like, wait, why are you? He was like so excited about having met this like star WMA player. And I was just like, that's, that's dope. Um, And then, you know, I mean, Shay is just, just butter. Like he's so much fun to watch. Um, Jerome Robinson, so smart. Like, I like conversations with him and how he dealt with popcorn in his car is very cool. Sandarius <laughs> is, uh, Sandarius Thornwell is, is fun to talk to. Like, he's a funny dude. Um, Patrick Beverly's crazy, but, but thoughtful and, like, mm-hmm. interesting. Doc, I, I kind of wouldn't trade Doc for any coach in the NBA, like, as far as dealing with as a, as a coach and Doc has also provided us with a wonderful gif as you've probably seen on Twitter the confused Doc face uh-huh, yeah confused uh-huh. Doc face yeah, yeah yeah I mean Tobias is like an old soul he's cool Gallo is like the coolest as in like just calmest person ever like win or lose like he's the same guy which when he were winning I was kind of like dude get excited yeah. but now they're losing and he's like the same and, it's like, and I'm oh. like wow that's impressive right like it's he you know he deals with us the same way, no matter what. Mm, and he's been around. Yeah, yep. but it's it's kind of impressive. Like, I can't do that in my yeah. life, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can go on and on. Avery Bradley is, is super thoughtful. Um, Ty Wallace is a Berkeley guy. He's pretty smart. Um, I have fun watching Natalie Nakase at practice. Like, do you know who that is? UCLA women's basketball fans. She When I was covering Oregon, she was playing at UCLA, and she's like this five-foot-one like little point guard who's like excelling at the Pac-10 which was crazy to me then like mm-hmm. yeah. how, how is this five foot one girl playing yeah. division one basketball and like starting at UCLA and now she's like over there like running the guys through drills and like you know that's cool yeah yeah and it's not like she's like Becky Hammond and Sue Bird were like WMA stars like she's yeah, yeah. Natalie DeCasa you know it's, <laughs> I don't know I think she's amazing um, yeah I don't know so I'm, I'm quite entertained and, and happy to be to be watching them and reporting on them nice yeah, that I mean, was not an answer. Really, uh, that, <laughs> was, that was that was better than a single player answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, they definitely seem to have like a cast of characters. And I think that's what I think a lot of people like about the Steam makes this Clippers team different. But mm-hmm. uh, just in your line of work, you also have some interesting coworkers. One we've actually had on the podcast before, and we discussed a little bit earlier was mm-hmm. Yovan. Mm-hmm. Uh, how's he doing? What's it like being on the beat with him? Does he play Drake all the time, or does he mix it in here or there? And, you know, what's it like working with him? Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I, yeah, I enjoy working with Yovan. Um, he's with the Athletics, so he's got like a different. Like, Andrew Greif and I are, like, on this, like, um, daily newspaper sort of, you know, show yeah. thing where, like, got to file notebooks, got to do this, got to do mm-hmm. that. And, and you have an obviously, is, like, the is, a, is great on social media and is, you know, killing it there. Um, but the athletic, you, you get to walk away from the game and you kind of, like, get to, you know, think about it and, uh, and then come up with something, like, really coherent and smart to write. And he's really good at that. Um, and I really enjoy reading his stuff, and everyone else should too. If you're a Clipper fan, especially. Um, um, but yeah, he's cool. Like I, yeah, he's. I think that but as far as Drake, I don't. I'm not with him when no, he's. Yeah. Listen, I'm not with him in his car. But I'm. I'm assuming he. He did like bounce out um, as fast as he could from one game because he was going to like a private concert at the Roxy recently. That sounds like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess that's something else that we just don't think about as much, you know, especially in the last year, the athletic has mm-hmm. kind of picked up so many writers and now they have such a national network and their stories are so much different than a daily newspaper mm-hmm. in the sense that they can take their time and do more kind of recaps and do things that um, allow them to maybe dig a little deeper. Is that something that you'd have any interest in doing or do you enjoy kind of working that daily beat? Yeah, no, I hate thinking about things and having time to write. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. Like, that's, I mean, who knows? My my career has been so weird that I'm just kind of, like, happy doing whatever's in front of me. Um, So for now, I'm finding the challenge of, like, the daily coverage quite fulfilling. Um, um, So ask me in a couple years. (laughs) Yeah. All right, we, but but I do like but I appreciate but I do appreciate that that there is um, like an avenue for sort of this, a different kind of in depth reporting and if that's the way that journalism and sports writing is going then I'm not mad at that at all. For sure. And okay. quick, quick, quickly on Yovan, one more thing. We just wanted to kind of know when was the moment that uh, you guys realized that there was a cautiously optimistic sort of mutual uh, acquaintance <clears throat> there. <laughs> Somehow on like one of the social media channels, okay. yeah, I think I was like he followed you or you followed him or you commented on something he did or vice versa, and I was yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, of course Nick and Yova know each other. Yeah. <laughs> and then getting back, getting back to basketball a little bit. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff in the news right now with a couple of uh, free agents to be. I mean, and then obviously mm-hmm. LeBron just went and said. The thing about AD and how he wants to play with him, and that quote kind of blew up, which I think was kind of weird because what is he supposed to say? He doesn't want to play with Anthony Davis, yeah. and now everybody's taking that out of context and yeah. saying, oh, he doesn't like the young core anymore, and there's that. Yeah. Um, but it's become a time because the, the Clippers are playing so well that mm-hmm. those guys are kind of battling it out. The Lakers and Clippers are mm-hmm. battling it out for free agents, mm-hmm. and Kawhi is a name mm-hmm. that keeps coming up, mm-hmm. and obviously you, the Raptors came in and beat uh, the Clippers. Mm-hmm. In Quite handily. Too. Yeah, KD is talking about it, yep, and yep. I think a lot of people... And KD are, really likes Shea. Yeah. Shea, Shea, one of my thing, favorite things, but he might have, and this is tough for me to say because I hate most Clippers jerseys on a personal level, mm-hmm. but he might have the best jersey in the NBA right now because of the way the, the name... It's yeah. just because it's a U yeah. on the other yeah, side. Yeah, I think yeah. it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> is, is it... <laughs> 
do you see the the Clippers as like real free agent competitors now in this, and specifically maybe for a Kawhi or a KD? We'll see. Yeah. A. Um, but uh, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I mean, I don't know Kevin Durant. I did know Kawhi when he was in high school. Oh, okay. Um, but that you know, just knew him as well as anybody. Like I, yeah, he. Sh- I shot. I was messing around with videography for like a, for a season and they obviously Kawhi was very good so I shot a lot of video of Kawhi mm-hmm. did he um, did he still laugh like that back then I don't you know it's, <laughs> it's funny when I saw that I thought back cause I rem- so there was our players of the year once one year uh were uh Kawhi uh, he was he was not our player. <laughs> he was co-player with like yeah. So that's how much we thought it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, he was co-player of the year with Mike Snare, who went on to a great Florida State career. Um, I think oh, Mike Snare. I do remember Mike yeah, Snare. Yeah, I think they like exchanged like player like California players of the year. Even, he was maybe? he was really good for us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He played all four years. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And yeah. then he like had a cup of coffee in the preseason with the Lakers. I was really yeah. rooting for him, but um. And he, so there was those two guys and then Lasia Clarendon, who is one of the top women's players in the WNBA now. Uh, and so, like, Kawhi showed up first. Like, he was early, and, and he was there. And he was, like, Kawhi, you know, quiet, and just kind of, like, there and waiting. And then Lasia came, and it was kind of like, okay, what's up, Lasia? And then, like, 20 minutes later, like, Mike Snare rolls in. He's late, and but also the life of the party. So, like, the, you know, mm-hmm. everything got started when Mike Snare showed up, and he's, like, the super, you know, extrovert and... And I remember, like, he had, like, he just, Mike Snare just, like, made everybody in the room just, like, laugh and laugh and laugh, including Kawhi. And I don't, I can't remember, like, going, like, this kid laughs funny. <laughs> so I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. But I, like, I can find, I'll send you links to the photos yeah. of Kawhi from that shoot, and he's got this yeah. big grin on his face. and um, Yeah, we might, we might have to unearth some old Kawhi yeah. laughs and say, you know, Miriam got this first scoop on his way back in the day. Somewhere I have video. Like, I don't have anything to play it on, but um, I should try to find it and give it to you. Well, did you see, I don't know if you saw that, I don't know, so when the, the laugh, the preseason yeah, came out. Yeah, yeah, Then they did a, a compilation video, and mm-hmm. they found, like, four or five other ones, and they were all weird. Yeah. And, like, it, it was funny, because I, I did this kind of the same thing when I heard that. I was like, that's so weird that he laughs like that. But then my, my reaction was, oh, I don't even know if I've ever seen him laugh. Yeah. So there's yeah, that, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. We all laugh funny when we think about it. Maybe not that funny, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel so. It's, it's interesting. So like the other day, um, I was there like, and somebody asked Kawhi about Christmas, and Kawhi oh, declined yeah. to talk oh, yeah, about yeah, Christmas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not right now. Yeah. Yeah. Not. That was my favorite part too. Is not right now. Like <laughs> maybe, okay. Maybe, maybe in April. <laughs> yeah. 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 Talk to me later about it, or maybe earlier. But uh, and. And it, you know, and it, and and my buddy at Tomer Azuli uh, tweeted it out, and it got like, you know, got picked up with Bleach Report and everything, and went went crazy. Um, but it's kind of, I feel sort of, people, it's like everyone's sort of ex- everything. Like if you're Kawhi now, like you're almost, I, I I don't know about Kawhi, but I would be like afraid to say anything because like anything you say, people are like waiting for like a, anything sort of weird, mm-hmm. and they're just gonna like turn it into like a, a meme or a, or yeah. a, a joke, you know? And it's kind of like like. I, it's part of the job, but it's like, it's, it'd be hard to breathe. It's probably like, this is why I never talked. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just chill. You know what I mean? So, like, I kind of, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah. I don't know. I yeah. like his laugh, personally. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll probably splice it in here for the podcast. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, I hear more often, honestly. I mean, it's weird and funny, but, you know, it'll make things more enjoyable. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm sh- yeah, exactly. Yes. But to, to your question, with the, whether the Clippers oh, yeah. are a place um, for, for for Kawhi or Katie, um, 
I mean, why not? Like, Steve Ballmer is yeah, pretty you, into it, and he, you know, oh, has some... It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very into very, it. Yeah. Um, but, like, he seems kind of like a pretty good salesman who kind of, you know, when he wants to get something done, kind of can get it done. Um, I mean, they've got a really dynamic front office. They're making it work with what they have, yeah. it seems like. So, I mean, it's not like... <laughs> you know, come play for this really crappy organization that's you know, performing Some, horribly. Something about Steve Ballmer and Kawhi Leonard's personalities, mm. though. I don't know, like, if they would come to the common ground, but we'll see. I mean, I think Steve Ballmer and Kevin Durant could definitely work something out because right. KD the likes to, thing. you know, the mm-hmm. tech thing, and he just likes to, you know, be involved and talk about basketball and go on other podcasts and, yeah, seem, yeah. you know, tweet at people and make burner accounts. So I think... Maybe I, I, if I had to guess, I would say Kevin Durant is more likely than Kawhi. But who, yeah. who knows? Nobody knows, right? What does it? So does it matter though what Toronto does this year? Like if Toronto goes to the NBA Finals, like I think so. Especially, I think I. On my personal opinion, right now is that he stays. Mm-hmm. Kawhi stays mm-hmm. just because he's. They're gonna if they play the way they're playing. I mean, they've only lost what, seven games, five games, something like that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. They've lost maybe twice without him, and he's missed a few games, and they keep yeah. winning. No, yeah. And so, in his mind, if I'm if I'm Kawhi, I'm looking at the East, and I said this right when the trade happened too, mm-hmm. is if nobody else is here, like they're going to run through the East even easier than I thought they were mm-hmm. with Kawhi. Mm-hmm. And if they can just run through and they go to the finals with not even going to a seven game series in the Eastern Conference playoffs, mm-hmm. why leave? Yeah. If you if you really just care about winning, which it seems like that's what. Kawhi really cares about. I don't see Kawhi saying like, "Oh, I need to go to L.A. so I can get more money on this New Balance deal." You know, they're just like he's going to stay in Toronto and and run through the East. But I mean, you have a team like the Clippers who, like you said, are playing well without a star. Imagine what they could with one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I have no. Who knows? I, <laughs> no, yeah, it's yeah. going to be crazy. Yes. Yeah. Um, we wanted to also get back to your uh, original thought about how you know you when you were younger you wanted to cover the WNBA and mm-hmm. now you're actually having a chance to do that with mm-hmm. the Sparks mm-hmm. and um, we mentioned you know Derek Fisher is their new mm-hmm. head coach another Laker connection from your past now coming back to your present um, <laughs> with the Clippers Sparks all the connections are kind mm-hmm. of coming together now it's very weird yeah. it is very weird yeah mm-hmm. but um, Derek Fisher's career post playing has been rather interesting um, Matt Barnes Knicks and then now the Sparks um, you were at the press conference there. Uh, what do you see coming out of the situation as uh, Derek Fisher, head coach of the Sparks? Um, Candace Parker seems to be cool with it, so if she's cool with it. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a big thing, yeah. Um, it will be interesting. I, there, there was some controversy within women's basketball about the hiring of Derek Fisher. I mean, the Sparks are like the, one of like the few really premier jobs in women's basketball, and I think there's like five out of the 12 WBA jobs are held by men right now. And like in women's college basketball, more than 50% of the head and assistant coaches are men now. Mm. Um, so there's not like a lot of job opportunities for women coaches. So, you know, although there's like the, you know, the Becky Hammonds and the Nikasis of the world making headway in the men's field, like obviously it's not equal. Um, so there was some people kind of were, you know, wished that the Sparks had done a more, expansive search yeah. but listening to the way that Penny Toller um, told it uh, and she's the general manager and, and has been for forever 20 years I don't know long sorry I forget exactly how long but for, for a long, long time, time yeah and a formerly a Sparks player too scored the WA's first ever points Penny mm-hmm. Toller yeah um, but she's you know apparently like she developed a relationship with Fish um, back when at the very beginning like when he was playing with the Lakers and she was there and they stayed in touch and they talked 
basketball, and he's obviously apparently paid very close attention to the Sparks and has been sort of involved behind the scenes. And so her thing was, like, if it ever works out where we have an opening, he's available, I'm going to go for it. Mm. Um, and if that's the story, like, how can you fault her? Like, if that's, she's, you know, had some success with the Sparks and, you know, she knows the way around. And, uh, like, someone at the press conference asked her, like, you know, why not, you know, think about a woman and... Um, her response is like, well, the general manager of the Sparks is a woman. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, so it's, you know, and then Candace pointed out that she's played for, you know, X number of coaches and there are men and women and men and women and, you know, people of color and um, that the Sparks are not lacking for diversity. Um, but as far as how he'll, I, I don't know how he'll do. Like, obviously he didn't play or he didn't coach all that well with the Knicks, but then it was like kind of weird with him and Phil and the whole triangle mm-hmm. and not to run the triangle thing, as I recall. And so, like, he doesn't have that now. Um, and, it, like, he has, I mean, I think kind of as Candace go, the Sparks go, right? That's what I was thinking. I feel like Candace Parker is sort of like the LeBron of the yeah, WNBA. Yeah. And she's kind of like the player coach and kind of yeah, controls everything. Yeah. So the way I thought of it when I first saw this hiring was that Derek Fisher was more of, like, a, a puppet and a well-known face, sort of, like, to the situation. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, you know, Candace, I mean, how long has she played on the Sparks now, like, well, whole career, yeah. Like, which I mean, well, she was there. She, been, she, she was there when I interned for them in like twenty thirteen. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just think it's interesting, and it's interesting that he mentioned how mm-hmm. you know the controversy surrounding it. And Derek Fisher definitely has had some controversy follow him mm-hmm. since he left the league. So, mm-hmm. well, and another thing with Derek Fisher too, and I don't know if if. There's the thought that do you think there's anything to the thought also that he's just using the sparks as a way to get like back a stepping in, stone yeah mm-hmm. to get back in the NBA and if that's the case and that's what he's doing there's an issue with that yes yeah. um he he says it's not of course but uh you know only time will tell right yeah um yeah I don't know I mean I yeah well, he he what, he'll I mean, have to prove it's, it's it or not yeah he, he, yeah yeah exactly he'll have to prove it I I just find it interesting the timing of everything because. It didn't seem like he was going to get back uh, into the NBA as in a coaching a head coaching job anytime mm-hmm. soon, and so yeah. him having this opportunity not only to go to a WNBA team but to go to one of the best WNBA mm-hmm. teams um, just seems yeah. like it's almost like an easy cop out for him to be able to go there, mm-hmm. go to the playoffs, go to the finals, mm-hmm. maybe win one or two, um, and then say, okay, well look what I just did. Mm-hmm. When it's not really as much him as even what Nick was saying, mm-hmm. him just being a puppet even maybe and, and having just running same similar stuff, um, being able to say I just win one one or two mm-hmm. and be able to get back in and I yeah. think that's super problematic if that's the case. But yeah. obviously like you said, we don't know until something yeah, yeah, happens. Yeah. Two thousand eight, Candace. So oh, wait. yeah. Ten years? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean I don't I don't know that he's a puppet. Uh, he he is someone that's going to sort of attract eyeballs and interest mm-hmm. them. Like I mean there was, yeah. you know you know like I don't know that the LA Times comes to the press conference if they hire like a yeah. like the Pepperdine women's basketball coach. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Sorry, but um but you, yeah. know I mean? <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like if they just got like a really good up and coming like women's basketball coach and said hey like we you know I, I don't think it gets nearly it's not mm-hmm. Woj is not tweeting about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And and at the end of the day, that's probably good for the WNBA. Yeah, WNBA just got a bunch more nationally televised games. Yeah, uh, scheduled yeah, yeah. Came out, yep. So that's good to see. Yep. So, I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm super interested to see how it plays out. But I don't know, Sully. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, no coach has ever made the transition from WNBA head coach to NBA head coach mm-hmm. as far as now. So, and, mm-hmm. and also, I think Jesse, you kind of mentioned it as well, just being 
such a good team, such a dominant history. I think people that know basketball know that either way and can kind of decipher how much he's actually doing to help a team that is kind of already on their way to doing what they need to do. Um, but speaking on uh, another just women's basketball note, you know, I read the story that you did about the women's Drew League, which is something I didn't even know about before that. I, I've been a huge fan of the Drew League for a long time. Went to it when I was in high school and checked it all out. But I thought that was a really interesting story because it's a great opportunity. I think so many women play year-round just like all basketball mm-hmm. players do, and that's not really ever getting the coverage that the men's league does. So we can go a little bit about what that was like and what that league is like and how it's advancing. Um, yeah, sure. Um well, I didn't know about it either. <laughs> and I thought, and then I um, asked a few other people who, who know basketball, and, and they didn't either. And so I was like, well, it sounds like a story. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially with the, you know, the, the Sparks had Chelsea Gray there, who's amazing, um, and Essence Carsons, and Odyssey Sims played, and then Noel Quinn, who was like a SoCal legend, but um, also was really good at UCLA and won a WNBA title last summer. Um, and then a handful of other girls who've like been in and out of the WNBA are playing. Um, and it was, but it's played in like the original, like at the middle school where they like the very first, uh, men's drill league games played. And I was going to say, because looking yeah. at the videos, I was yeah. like, it looked like a local high school. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a local middle school. It's yeah, like a which is- tiny little gym. So it's like a lot of energy in a tiny little space. Yeah. You know, it's like kind of the best basketball, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like a little shoebox, just of just crazy energy and intensity with like, really top level women's players yeah. um and it was yeah i mean if if you guys like if anyone's i mean i think they're done for now but like next summer comes around it's been going for 20 some years so it's like oh wow yeah yeah mm-hmm. um and when it started yeah. there was sparks playing and i think it's kind of like ebbed and flowed over the years but um i mean if i i expect it to be back next year and i'm definitely gonna go back and yeah, it's interesting. Those teams also just have fantastic names too. It was like the LA Cheaters. Yeah. In my feelings. In, in my feelings, yeah. I mean, I just I thought those were phenomenal. I yeah. just thought that was interesting because um, it's just not ever really covered. And the Drew League gets such national attention mm-hmm. from the men's when you have you know, I think players you mentioned were like Harden and and, and you know, they have mm-hmm. Durant, you have LeBron, Mickey, people that I actually don't have LeBron that are gone, but my boy Trez. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. it's crazy, I think. It's it's cool to see I think a women's equivalent yeah. of that. And it definitely can't pick up because it's it's LA. People like spending their off season mm-hmm. in LA to a certain degree. I know the women's side they play internationally a lot too during yeah. their off season, yeah. so it may be a little more difficult. But mm-hmm. I still think that's such a cool thing. Um, yeah. And Jesse, I think I mean you want to go to the fast food flavor now. You know that's one of the most important parts of this whole deal. And yeah. It, might, we have. it might have to be time. We're going to switch it up a little bit sure. and do a thing called the fast mm-hmm. food flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically, we always talk about how. You know, I'll ask a question with guests is what's your favorite fast food restaurant mm-hmm. in and out is not allowed because it's so obviously far and away above the rest. But we are very close. That would to be my answer to everything. Right now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I have to say I am jealous. I was driving over here and it was yeah. just wow. So it's very, you, very You have close. to dedicate like two hours of your life, though, if you're going to go there. This one specifically, yeah. too. This yeah. one, I know I've, yeah. I don't go to this one very often because I know. I'll go down to like the down yeah across town to that gotcha. one before. <laughs> I'm actually glad that Jesse realized how close we were because I was thinking about texting him when I texted him the, the address I'm like oh I was about to say by the way but I already know the right. exit yeah and he's like oh I'm I there the yeah. yeah when I when I saw it pop up on the thing I was like oh, oh. the same exit you've been here yeah. yeah yeah I know what it is so so not it's not perfect he's perfect hungry timing, yeah. yeah all right a few minutes or go can, go get can you reach anything? Go tell your sister to come up. All this fast food talk has yeah. uh, made Miriam's son say, come down and say that he's hungry. So. <laughs> okay, so the question then, I'm going to ask the same question again. No in and out, not allowed. Mm. What is your favorite? Actually, first, let's go. What's your in and out order? 
um, whatever the che- cheeseburger you know, cheeseburger like, combo nice yeah. do you like to get a little crazy go secret menu animal fries anything like that I don't okay and then I get a coffee instead of the shake oh interesting play how is their coffee it's caffeinated there you go that's <laughs> all you need that's all you need so in and out not included do you have a favorite fast food uh no do, 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 the, do the kids have a favorite fast food what's your favorite fast food yes they do um in and out in and out besides, besides in and out okay where you, where do you always want to go does Starbucks count as fast food okay anyway well technically there, if we go by some rules food. there's food and there's a drive through and that's one of the staples of uh, have being able to be labeled a fast food restaurant I think he's most of your at least half of your restaurants need to have have a drive through I don't know if half of Starbucks in the world do but a, a good amount yeah. a good amount do so we might be able to count that oh, in there what is my favorite fast food McDonald's McDonald's. Toys. <laughs> genius. Those people are genius. <laughs> they are. Oh, my God. They give people toys. Yeah. They give their kids toys. There you go. Yeah, the Happy Meal is on the one, two, three menu right now as well, so you get a $3 Happy Meal. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Okay, stop. <laughs> I mean, I did not say that. No. Um, Back in my day, you could go to McDonald's. Not only was it toys, it was, I remember getting movies from there. You could buy a VHS tape. Uh, yeah, I don't remember the cost, but I remember begging my mom to buy this three-part series. Like, and then I watched produced it by McDonald's or, or, or by McDonald's, like McDonald's characters. You know, the obviously you have like Ronald McDonald and, and like the Hamburglar. Uh, really bunch there. Yeah, the Hamburglar was all in that joint. If I remember correctly, they're on an island and they had to find some kind of burger madness. But this might have been just the McDonald's <laughs> by you. I have no uh, clue that this ever existed. I've never heard of this. I like, it's I like swear, it like a, you know, a, it. it Something lost in time. I wish I still had it and I had a VHS player, but maybe you guys got to wow. go to my house and do some research with uh, my mother there. Yeah, no, I'm gonna have to take a trip to the old Silver Lake and yeah, I was like, where are you? Where, yeah, quick. where where are you from? Like, this was in California. From, Silver Lake. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah Silver Lake? This was on the uh, you know the the McDonald's on Fountain Sunset right there, okay. uh, going towards Hollywood from Silver Lake. See, it's a Hollywood thing. Uh, maybe yeah. yeah you know, maybe it is. You know, it is. You know, the, the city of stars there. So we did a little <laughs> data. I don't know. It was know, like the there. workers like made these but by themselves. It was. And they were yeah, like. They were, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, <laughs> that would actually. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Oh, sorry, buddy. <laughs> sorry. Well, no, we, we, we definitely appreciate Arthur here on the podcast. <laughs> Arthur is a, an amazing uh, person here, so we, we we thank you for joining us, Arthur. And a young fast food guru. Uh, yeah, really. And then bringing back the Happy Meal talk. We haven't yeah. had that on the podcast, so I don't think we have. Um, and then <laughs> lastly, to close out here, one thing we do after every podcast mm. is we give our uh, super hot, interesting takes or shout-outs. Mm-hmm. And so we were wondering if you have any uh, shout-outs you'd like to give or any, like, deep lingering takes that you want to get out there to the world um the floor is yours okay so first i want to ask your opinions on if the world is round or not <laughs> we, the world is round the world is yeah, round yeah. we cannot agree with Kyrie. Yeah. all right sully yeah i think that's pretty clear okay cool and, and we have been to the moon <laughs> and we've been and we have, we have been moon, moon landing yes yeah. moon landing, okay, yes. okay. Yeah. and that were there important. giants that were walking dinosaurs as pets I'd like to believe there were. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a Jordan Clarkson one. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. I didn't remember yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah. My favorite meme going around right now is that people are just uh, upset that 
someone just decided what dinosaur, dinosaurs sounded like without actually ever hearing them. I think that's a valid point. You know, we, we never heard a dinosaur recording. I have to think about what that. What do you know they sound like? They have, may have very high-pitched noises that they make. They don't make those a deep Tyrannosaurus Rex, you know, like growl. Like Jurassic roll. Park stuff. No, no one's ever heard that before. How do we know it actually sounds like that? <laughs> Taking it back to what does so, the fox say, you know? Like, who knows? Exactly. I, no one knows. Not I, at least. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so my hot take then into that was Kyrie's quote was it yesterday or a few days ago about because um, they asked him about people getting on Steph for Steph and his mm-hmm. moonlighting comments and Kyrie goes there's world hunger going on there are political things going on there are so many higher things in the totem pole of society that matter to human beings but hey Steph Curry says that he doesn't believe in the moon landing and the thing is all over it's on CNN and they say we're just jocks athletes but it's on your channel okay but his point that um, there are important things going on and political things going on and denying facts, I kind of think, are related. Yeah. Yo, that's my, that's my take. <laughs> that's I mean, it's like, they're not getting political about it. Yeah. But, you know, if, if it's okay to question facts and a question sign, or, or not even question, but disavow. Yeah, yeah. Um, if, if you're, um, things that are proven science, then you're also not kind of, you're also doing that for potentially climate change. Right. Or other things mm-hmm. that have real, you know, th- there's a reason there are famines across the world right now, like there are, and. And there is a political thing. So anyway, yeah. Kyrie. And, and now it's really awesome. starting to sound like a Thursday morning at the Outlook. I'm, okay, so, yeah, that's what I was going for. That's there what you I was go. going for. Yes, sir. Yes. Well, <laughs> thank you so much, uh, Miriam, for letting us uh, take the time here. We really appreciate it. Uh, as we said before, we hadn't had a guest in a long time, so um, we're very grateful for this opportunity. Um, Miriam, if anybody else who knows me, I listen to a lot of other podcasts. My podcast co-hosts here, they sometimes say that we should only listen to Cautiously Optimistic, but I'm still, you know, branching, out, branching out to other podcasts. Miriam it kind of is all you need, because you guys cover everything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right? Yeah. Like, all the sports. Miriam, and fast food. Yeah. yeah. What else? Um, Nothing. Just Never a quick shout out to Miriam here. Uh, not just thank you for coming on, but also for getting me into podcasts, really. We uh, bonded uh, over Serial back in the day. I think it's been like four years now since Serial came out, which is crazy. And Adnan is still in jail still in jail yeah. yeah but uh that's kind of what got me miriam was kind of the person who got me into podcasts and you know 88 or 87 cautiously optimistic episodes later <laughs> here we are so here we are shout and, out yeah. sarah koenig yeah, yeah exactly yeah. we definitely appreciate the time now i feel like i can call you jammer you know we're closer <laughs> after this <laughs> anyone that that has survived hanging out with nick and all the unfortunate puns that he uses that we have to deal with all the time anyone that he's survived (laughs) we can really appreciate so thank you for taking the time with us yeah well my pleasure thanks you guys for for coming and I don't know sitting here and talking with me I love conversations so it was was fun and I enjoy you guys' show yeah catch it as much as I can so yeah yeah or your podcast I don't know your pod whatever it's called show pod whatever you need to call it we're in talks for a TV deal so we'll see (laughs) (laughs) distributed via McDonald's right exactly yeah. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks again to Miriam Swanson for a wonderful conversation there to close out episode 87 of Cautiously Optimistic. Again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We'll hopefully get some more guests in here, if possible, in the next few episodes. Uh, But for now, that's going to do it. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter. You know what it is, Jesse. MySpace. I believe we have a we have a Wix page that we just started. Jay Farrow did it himself, so that's something that you should look at. Um, yep. 
What else you got there for, Silas? What other websites are we on? I, I rarely discuss, but you could just follow us in person. You know, if you ever see us, just follow us and walk behind us. We will lead you to the promised land. Uh, we are Jesus, in a sense, leading I mean, the people. My name, they, my name you know? in Spanish is actually Jesus. So, I mean, exactly. you, you, you um, ain't never told no lie. You know, it's just, it doesn't always have to be social media, folks. If you ever see Nick, follow him for the rest of the day. I promise you, you'll be confused but enlightened. Um, and you'll probably get to see him eat some ketchup, so it's never an issue. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I look forward to the day when everyone's following me, and um, I'll be like the Forrest Gump of Cautiously Optimistic walking across the country. And uh, mm-hmm. until our next episode, guys, uh, it's been a pleasure, as always. 